With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lamarie's with you, special guest Phil Steele of Phil Steele's Big Old Magazine. What's it called, actually? Phil Steele's College Football Preview. Uh, you can go buy it, it's certain places. He'll tell you that in a second. And he's based in the Cleveland area. He's been doing it for a long time. I can remember, again, like one of my first. Like early on, I started at Cleveland at the Cleveland Plan Dealer in 2005, and I went to Phil's office in Cleveland. It's like, hey, this guy in the Cleveland area is putting out this college football preview magazine. And it's so weird. I can remember at that time, Phil was not as accepted in the college football landscape because he had betting ads in his magazine. And people were like, I don't know about this betting. And look where we are now. And it's a really respected magazine. I think you guys know that. Uh, he's fills on a bunch of all American committees and, and postseason committees He's really respected. And so we have about a half an hour with him talking less about Ohio state. Cause listen, we know a lot about Ohio state here. You may not think that sometimes, but we think we, yeah, we're okay. But like what matters to Ohio state? So we talk about the strength of the big 10. We talk about what Michigan does. Well, we talk about where he has Penn state ranked and where they do well. We talk about Notre Dame and Western Kentucky, the two most interesting non-conference teams on Ohio State's schedule. We talk about Wisconsin. So we talk about these teams around Ohio State that matter to Ohio State and a little about the Buckeyes. But he has power rankings for every position group. He has power rankings for overall teams. And I think that is really interesting. He brings a unique perspective with the way he digs into college football all around the country. So we'll do about half an hour with Phil. And then when we come back, we'll talk a tiny little bit about something else. But for now, it's our guy, Phil Steele on Buckeye Talk. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Joined now by a great friend of the program. You guys love it when he's on. It's Phil Steele, Ohio's own. Phil, thanks so much for joining us once again on Buckeye Talk. Hey, a real pleasure, Doug. How many years of the magazine now, Phil? 50? Is it 50 years yet? What are we looking at? <laughs> yes, yeah, this is year number 29. Hard to believe. I remember that first one. It was uh, black and white. It was on newsprint. It was 188 pages. 88 teams. Now we're covering 133. It's full color and uh, 352 pages. I feel it's got three to four times the amount of information any other magazine out there. And that means that you have hired hundreds of people to help you produce this magazine now, right? You have all kinds of minions running around and you just kick back and uh, oversee everything. <laughs> That'd be nice. But uh, no, I, I'm, a, I'm a hands-on type of guy. And I did talk to uh, 122 of the 133 head coaches this year. Uh, and spent, the average call was about an hour with each one. And that's the, crucial to the third right through process of the magazine. Uh, I do have a staff, 10 to 15 people here working on it. And we work on nothing but college football for seven months from the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving all the way through June 7th this year. Unbelievable. Uh, where can people get the magazine, Phil? What's the best way for them to acquire it if they don't yet have it? You know, it's a little different this year, Doug. In years past, it's been available at places like Walmart, Kroger's, things like that. But this year, it's only at two places, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. Those are the only two places to get it. Or you can go online at philsteel.com. And when you go to philsteel.com to get it, uh, we do charge you a shipping car, a cost. Naturally, it costs money to ship. But we give you the digital magazine uh, absolutely free. And if you get the digital magazine uh, we have that updated all the way through September. So, you know, we list uh, Northwestern as having a new head coach right now, and David Braun. And uh, so it's that's updated all the way through September. But Barnes & Noble, Books A Million are your only two locations out there to buy it. All right. He's Phil Steele. He's Ohio Zone. We want to get into the magazine. I'm always intrigued. One of the th- I mean, there's many things I like about your magazine, Phil. One that I always turn to first is the... Uh, position group rankings nationally, because I think that a lot of times we can talk about the best players, we can talk about the best coaches, but these unit rankings are really interesting. And I want to go first to the running backs, Phil, where you have four of the best five running back rooms in the nation in the Big Ten. And that is Michigan at the top, followed by Ohio State, Penn State third, Wisconsin fifth. What did you think as you were putting that list together of how good the running backs are in the Big Ten this year? Yeah, well, that speaks volumes right there for the top five units. And, uh, you know, you just look at the players that are coming back with Michigan. As long as Blake Corm's 100%, I do expect him to be that this year. Uh, you had in a Donovan Edwards, a running back, a guy that um, was a little banged up last season and still had nearly a 1,000 yards as the number two running back. Then they had in a guy like Ben Hall, 
they had C.J. Stokes back. It's an extremely deep group with two very talented guys. With Ohio State, as we know last year, their running backs were all banged up. But if Travion Henderson returns to form, which I expect he will, Mayan Williams remains healthy. They've got Hayden. Uh, train them. It is also a very deep and loaded group. And then Penn State, you had the two freshmen last year, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. Uh, this year they had in Trey Potts from Minnesota, who has rushed for a bunch of yards with the Gophers, making them an extremely deep group. And then don't forget for Wisconsin, uh, they've got Braylon Allen, Allen. they've got Chesma Lucy, uh, Jason Acker, uh, extremely deep. So I, I think when you look at running backs, uh, again, you know, I don't, going through the list, uh, Doug, when I'm compiling them, I generally don't look and think, okay, this is where I'm going to put groups or this conference here. I just rate them all in the computer and then all of a sudden they pop up and I see if uh, I want to rank them there. So the Big Ten clearly does have the best running backs. And I think it's interesting because it doesn't mean that it's going to be a three yards in a cloud of dust kind of conference, right? We know that Ohio State's going to throw the ball. I think we know that Penn State with Drew Aller, they should be throwing the ball a little bit. We know that with uh, Michigan is a run first team, but with JJ McCarthy as an experienced quarterback. And we know that Wisconsin bringing in Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator, they're changing how they go about it on offense. All four of those teams, I think are going to be capable and very interested in throwing the ball, Phil, but then to have that run game as a component in the offense, I, I find very intriguing. And I know you've been intrigued, I think by what Wisconsin is doing with bringing in, a different kind of offensive coordinator under Luke Fickle and adding that to the traditional strength of of the Wisconsin run game and offensive line. Yeah, and I I think you hit it right on the head there, Doug. Uh, You go back to Wisconsin. uh, I just think it's a three-right-through process. The first right-through is my postseason right-through where I read through every article written about the season and then uh, break it down how how I feel they're going to be for the year. And when I first did Wisconsin, I was leery of the Phil Longo coming in here because I'm like, you know what? Wisconsin's won all those games in November because they've got the big offensive line. They've got the run game. They run the ball down their throats, and it doesn't matter. The uh, weather gets inclement. It really actually helps them at that time of year. And now they're going to go to a pass offense? What the heck's going on there? But after going over the team with Coach Fickle, they're not a any stretch. In fact, he feels this year that by adding the pass offense, bringing in a guy like Tanner Mordecai from SMU, Phil Longo's concepts of throwing the football, that they're actually going to create more space between the tackles for players like Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. And if you go back and look at Cincinnati, uh, they have never been just a pure pass offense. They've had thousands, plenty of thousand yard rushers under Fickle, and I think we're going to see that here. Uh, maybe what you're going to see is a Braylon Allen and a Ches Malusi who last year average 5.4 and 4.2 yards per carry. Maybe they got up to six and five yards per carry per guy with more open space in front of them. All right, let's go to the receivers along those lines, Phil. No surprise, you have Ohio State first in the nation for the best receiver room. But I want some context there, right? That Ohio State has 2,000-yard receivers back. Washington has 2,000-yard receivers back. When you when you punched it in and Ohio State came up first, just What's your view of the context of what Ohio State's receiver room is like compared to the rest of the country? 
Um, you know, it is fairly close with Washington. In fact, when I was going over the, the uh, team with Coach DeBoer, uh, he was pr- sort of pushing for Washington to be that number one receiving core in the country. But I think when you look at the top receivers for the, the draft this upcoming year, Doug, you know, Marvin Harrison is widely regarded as probably the top wide receiver for the draft coming up. And then who's number two? Egbuka, uh, you know, at the receiver spot. So Ohio State's got clearly, uh, I think, the, the most talent at that spot. They're very deep. Uh, they do a great job recruiting there. So these true freshmen they have coming in could easily make an impact this year. Guys like Carnell Tate, my number three wide receiver out of high school, or Noah Rogers, my number four wide receiver out of high school. So there's just tons of uh, overall uh, of the elite players uh, the VHT is coming out and uh, probably the top two guys for the draft. All right, let's go to what Michigan does best. And again, you had Michigan first for the running back rooms. You had Michigan second on the offensive line. They lost some guys. They brought in some transfers that, you know, Oluwole with Timmy was a transfer who wound up being the best center in the country last year. So this has worked for Michigan. They develop and they add how good do you think this Michigan offensive line is there? And if, I don't know. It just feels like they've established something there that it is a, a place where some of the best offensive line transfers in the country want to come play. Yeah, and being a member of the Joe Moore uh, Ward Committee, uh, we've actually given Michigan's offensive line for two straight years, the first ever repeat winner of the award last year. And uh, so you know while they're doing developing, and the three guys they brought in are not just – guys from other programs. I mean, these are longtime starters. Drake Nugent, who they brought in at center, had 12 starts in 2021, 12 more starts last year, and um, comes in, and I can tell you Coach Shaw was very high on his ability. And then adding in a player like uh, Ladarius Henderson from Arizona State. Uh, This is a guy that's been a three-year starter at Arizona State. Uh, He started the first six games last year, then was injured now for the year. But prior to that, at double-digit starts two years. And then another player from Stanford, Miles Hinton, who had nine starts at right tackle and then seven starts last year. Uh, And so you've got three guys that have been multiple-year starters added to the offensive line. Sharon Moore does a great job with the unit. And uh, I can tell you, being on the Joe Moore Award Committee, uh, Doug, that's one of the hardest working committees out there. These guys never met an offensive line that the uh, offensive line that they like. They break down the film of all the top teams that were studying for the award, and uh, it's some really interesting phone calls because I'm the only guy on the the entire committee that's not a uh, former offensive lineman or, or an offensive line coach. And these guys are very critical, and they break down a lot of film. And they have decided for two years running that Michigan does it better than anybody in the country and the talent level at Michigan. Again, it doesn't seem like it's dropping off. You, you mentioned Sharon Moore. They've, they've just found something there clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, when you, when you look at that type of success, I've got them coming into the season, my number two offensive line in the country, just behind Georgia, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they contend for a three peat. All right, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball that I found very interesting, and I think Ohio State fans just need to be aware of this. When we go through the position rankings, you have Penn State as the third-best defensive line, the fourth-best linebackers, and the top secondary in the country. When you think about all that added together, Phil, how good do you think this Penn State defense could be this season? 
very good. And the, the big part of the equation is the overall depth. And Coach, uh, Coach Franklin, when I went over the team with them, said it's the deepest defense they've had since he's been there. And they go three deep at every position. They do legitimately go three deep at every position. You look at the defensive tackle, for example, they bring in a kid like Alonzo Ford who had nine and a half sacks at Old Dominion or had three and a half sacks, I should say, at Old Dominion uh, last year. He's a two-time starter. He's all-conference. He's their third-string defensive tackle. So it's it's as far as he can work himself up the equation. They've got guys outside that can rush the passer with the D.C. Isaac and the Robin, Chop Robinson. They've got the Dennis Sutton there, who would be a starter for many other teams. Naturally, a linebacker. Uh, they are last year they were extremely inexperienced at linebacker. This year they're extremely experienced at linebacker. They go three deep there, and the same thing in the secondary. This is a unit that's finished near the top of my rankings. In fact, number two in the country last year in my past D rankings. They do lose a couple guys to the NFL, but they still have Kalen King back at cornerback, uh, Keaton Ellis at uh, safety. So this is, once again, a very deep group, uh, and the depth is actually better than it was heading into last year. So another area, one of the best things, I, I don't like to pick and choose. I, I mean, every page is good, right? But the power pole, the Phil Steele power pole, you do a lot of different things with preseason rankings. You sort of try to anticipate how voters are going to vote, and you you pick out surprise teams, and we'll get to that in a second. But the power pole is just like, who you think the best teams are going to be? Is that the right way to correct characterize the Phil Steele power poll? Yeah. yeah, the power poll. I have nine different sets of power ratings, Doug. I mold them all, meld them all together, and it says these are the best teams talent wise. So they don't always go. They don't always go along with my rankings in the magazine because that factors in the schedule and how I think the season will play out. But talent wise, here's one, two, three, all the way down to one thirty three. Phil, three Big Ten teams in the top five. I'm just like, this is, I think about what the Big Ten has been at times over the years, Phil, right? You know, the especially the end of the Jim Trestle era, early in the Urban Meyer era when Ohio State was great, but they just felt like they were beating up everybody in the league and nobody could hang to have Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State all in the top five. I, it, A, makes it very difficult for all three of those teams trying to get through this season undefeated. But B, it's like a dream. It's like the dream of what I think people would have wanted the Big Ten as a conference to be. Let's talk about that three Big Ten teams in your top five. Yeah, and it is unusual to have any conference uh, have three in the top five like that, with the exception of the SEC, which, of course, has had uh, been number one rated conference for almost all the last uh, 10 plus years. But when you look at these teams, and, and to be honest with you, Doug, when I was doing the forecast, my original thought was, okay, you got Michigan, you got Ohio State, which, I, by the way, I have Ohio State number two in the power poll in the entire country, and then Penn State all in the top five. I'm going to go with the one that hosts the other two. Guess what? They all play one of the other ones on the road, so that, that didn't make it any easier. But there's no doubt that right now, especially with the money coming in, the TV packages, the players they're able to recruit, that the SEC and the Big Ten are the two elite power conferences out there. And that gap at the top, I, I do think, has closed. Of course, Georgia and Alabama and LSU, their SEC teams like that. Texas A&M, you have pretty high. There are teams like that who are in that mix. But once upon a time, even if we thought, and again, you have conference power ratings, typically that's SEC 1, Big Ten 2. 
but that gap at the top, I think, used to be bigger. I, it feels like the gap at the top, and maybe there's, you know, sometimes I think they, the SEC depth is overrated a little bit, but I do think maybe top to bottom, the SEC is still better. But the Big Ten at the top, I don't know that they've ever been as close to the SEC. You've been doing this 29 years, Phil. I'm not asking you to remember every power rating in your whole life. But I don't know that the Big Ten has had three teams this good in the preseason, at least in as, as long as I can remember. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, uh, Doug. And I haven't gone back and looked exclusively to see if those rankings were like that. But I can't remember a year where it was like this. And, uh, you know, it's not just those three teams. I think you factor in how improved Maryland is this year. Uh, in a lot of in a lot of the other leagues, they'd be right up there. And then Wisconsin and Iowa are two teams out of the West that I feel very good about this year. Iowa finally has their quarterback, which I think is going to help their offense return to the form it was two years ago. And then you go along with their defense and special teams, and Wisconsin's my number one surprise team. So the Big Ten is loaded at the top this year, no doubt about it. You just mentioned Wisconsin. I like in your magazine, Phil, you you go back, you have a lot of historical stuff, but you always sort of are evaluating your own predictions. And you have, this was my surprise team, you know, going back 20 years, were they a surprise or not? Did I hit it or not? And I'll tell you what, like a decent chunk of the time, you're on it when picking surprise teams. What is it about Wisconsin? And I, this is a special interest to Ohio State fans because they're not just in the Big Ten. Ohio State plays at Wisconsin it's possible that if Ohio State wants to win the Big Ten, they'll have to play Wisconsin twice. I think Wisconsin's going to win the West. Is it just this combination of this new offensive identity added to the old strength of the offense? I know Luke Fickle as a first-year head coach. We've compared it at times like Sonny Dykes got it done at TCU in year one last year. What was the combination of things that led you to Wisconsin as your top surprise team? Yeah, and ironically, Doug, as mentioned, in the first write-through process of the magazine, I was higher on Iowa. And okay. in the first write-through process, I don't look at the schedule. That's a, a big thing, and I'll get to that in a second. But first of all, Wisconsin last year was a very inexperienced team. They were number 107 on my experience chart. This year, they've got 18 returning starters. They vault all the way up to number 20 on my experience chart. Teams that get that much more experience, and it's surprising that they did that because generally when there's a coaching change, you always have some transition, but coach Fickle was able to keep uh, the majority of the players. But two, we take a look at the head coach. Coach Fickle took a group of five team and got them into the playoff for crying out loud with Cincinnati. So we know he can coaching and get them there. Uh, we look at the offense. I talked about it earlier where I was skeptical at the beginning, but after going over the team with Coach Fickle in depth, uh, I think the running game will remain effective, and I think the adding the passing game is huge. I think that's where we're going to see a big factor here. Last year, they only had three starters back on defense. This year, they have eight. That's a big part of that experience equation. And then factor in the schedule. They play their road games this year, Washington State, very winnable, Purdue. I think Purdue is rebuilding off of last year. Illinois, Illinois is not quite up to last year's standards, where I thought they were actually the best team in the West last year. They lost a lot of talent. Indiana, winnable. And Minnesota, Wisconsin always travels well there, and I think Wisconsin uh, looks to be the stronger team this year. So you have five road games that all fall into the very winnable category. Toughest two games, they get Iowa at home. And they also get Ohio State at home. And not only get Ohio State at home, 
they get them at home the week after Ohio State plays Penn State. So it's a really good situation for Wisconsin. I think if they go 11-1 and or 12-0, and like they very well possibly could, get to the Big Ten title game, they'd have a legitimate shot at bursting into the playoff. And there's no way this team's going to be anywhere near the top 10. They may not even be ranked at the start of the year coming off a 7-6 and season. That's why they're my number one surprise team. We're a non-top 10 team that I think can actually make the playoff. Very interesting. Phil, I, th- this happens every year. I, you know, I try to find a shorthand sometimes for evaluating teams in the offseason. To look at quarterback experience is obviously a very easy thing to try to do, and it's an interesting year. Everybody knows this. Georgia, new starting quarterback. Alabama, new starting quarterback, and we don't know who it's going to be. Clemson, new starting quarterback, even though Cade Klubnick played a little bit last year. Ohio State, new starting quarterback. And then you look at teams like Michigan, like LSU, like Florida State, like Washington, like USC, some other of these teams that are really good, maybe a tier below, they have quarterbacks coming back. When you get put your power rankings together, when you evaluate teams, how do you factor in quarterback experience into your preseason evaluation of a team? Do you feel like that's really important? Or are we in an era where, hey, these are highly recruited guys, they can come in in year one and succeed and maybe – being a returning starter at quarterback isn't that big of a deal. You know, I, I think you have to factor it in uh, a couple of ways. First of all, you have to look a who's the replacement is, and uh, you know how highly rated they were coming out of high school. How long have they been with the program? Also, how does the program do with first year starting quarterbacks? What's the surrounding talent? Because let's face it, if you don't have a good offensive line in front of you, or if you have a poor receiving core, you're probably not going to put up big yards. Take a look at the case of uh, Georgia, for example, this year. They have a, a brand new starting quarterback, and they're losing a really good one in Stetson Bennett. Now, Bennett may not have had the physical capability of what you want for one of the top quarterbacks in the country, but he was a winner. And now Carson Beck takes over. But Carson Beck was my number six rated quarterback coming out of high school. He's 6'4", 215. He actually got there in 2020. So this is his fourth year with the program. He's got my number one rated offensive line in front of him. He's thrown to my number four set of receivers led by the Mackey Award winner and Brad Brock Bowers. He's got a great set of running backs behind him. And the defense is outstanding. Then you look at their schedule. They're going to be a double-digit favorite in their first 10 games. So he can easily get broken into the season. By the time they get to that first real road test, true road test at Tennessee, he's got 10 games under his belt. He's no longer a first-year starting quarterback at that point. He's got an entire year's experience, and I think he'll land well. Take a look at Ohio State. You know, Ohio State's had uh, definitely many uh, first-year starting quarterbacks this past 10 years. But if you go back and look, I think the Ohio State's had the first team Big Ten quarterback nine of the last ten years. So they're, they're a team that uh, they've got a good supporting cast, my number eight rated offensive line, best set of receivers to throw to, an improved run game. I don't think there's going to be as much pressure. Kyle McCord this year doesn't have to be C.J. Stroud of last year. And I think that at the end of the year, both those two guys are actually going to be listed as Heisman contenders. Uh, at the end of the season. Now, some first-year quarterbacks struggle, as mentioned, if they don't have the supporting cast, uh, if they don't have the offensive line to receiving core with them, they've got a tough schedule early on, you'll see them struggle in their first year. But I think both those guys will fare well. All right, let's hit a couple other teams that are on Ohio State's schedule that I think that are worth talking about. And the first one is Western Kentucky, Phil. 
Austin Reed, I think, is as a quarterback that college football national experts like you are very aware of how good he is. The average college football fan may not be. You like Western K- Kentucky and Conference USA. What kind of opponent should Ohio State fans expect coming in here in week three? Are, are they going to be able to throw the ball around and, and maybe put up some points on Ohio State in your mind? And just how good do you think this Western Kentucky team might be this year? Yeah, and you know the thing with um, with Western Kentucky here, they brought in Austin Reed. Now Austin Reed was taking a big step up. He came over from uh, Division Two. He played at West Florida, and I wondered a little about a bit about him. And in the first three quarters against Austin P in the opener, he didn't really impress me that much. You know, he had a good fourth quarter, and then went on to have a really good season. He threw for forty seven hundred yards, forty touchdowns, just eleven interceptions. And Coach Helton told me he feels that he could be a high draft pick this year. He's 6'2", 230. He's got a good command of the offense. He's got the bulk of his receiving core back, led by uh, Malachi Corley. He's also got Michael Matheson coming uh, in there. Uh, and so I look at the uh, receivers as solid. The offensive line looks good. I think they're going to be an explosive team. Now, Helton's concern this year is they do lose the bulk of their defense from last year. And that defense was was pretty good for uh, a team that plays with that explosive of an offense. So I think early in the year, a young defense should be exploitable for Ohio State. But I do think Austin Reed is going to cause some concerns for that secondary. And then the next week for Ohio State, it's at Notre Dame in week four. What do you think of the marriage of Sam Hartman, the quarterback transfer from Wake Forest, at Notre Dame, some good young receivers? We know their offensive tackles are really good. How good do you think Notre Dame might be in year two under Marcus Freeman? And and are you thinking that could be a, a competitive game in week four? Highly competitive game. Go back to the third quarter of last year's game in Columbus. Uh, it was a, a very tight game with uh, with Notre Dame. And uh, that was with uh, C.J. Stroud, a quarterback. Now, here's the thing with Notre Dame. Last year, they lost their starting quarterback, Buckner, to injury. So they basically went with a backup quarterback all year in Drew Pine. And Drew Pine was not one of the highest-rated quarterbacks coming to high school. To my mind, he was a, a backup quarterback. Now they bring in Sam Hartman, one of the best QBs in the country. You go over the running back core, they are so deep at a running back core with Estime, Price, Devin Ford coming in from Penn State that they move Chris Tyree to slot back to help out that receiving core. They're loaded at tight end this year. Big offensive line. You mentioned the tight the tackles, Fisher and all, two of the best tackles in the country. And defensively, they're extremely tough. Now, Freeman got off to a slow start last year, lost his first two games, but then went nine and two down the stretch. I think Notre Dame's a legitimate national title contender. I rate that game a toss-up. I can tell you in Vegas right now, Notre Dame's an eight-and-a-half-point dog, but I've got that thing more towards Pickham. I think Notre Dame's going to give Ohio State one of their toughest tests of the season. Phil Steele, so if this is year 29 of the magazine, that means you only have 21 more years to get to 50. How exciting is that, Phil? I can't wait for the 50th year. That's right. Neither can I. It should be a lot of fun. Um, Phil, we appreciate you joining us on Buckeye Talk. It's always a highlight of the offseason when you make time in your schedule. And I know you are slamming these out. How many radio and podcast appearances would you guess or do you know that you do in the offseason as this magazine comes out? Uh, slightly north of 200. Okay. So it's uh, usually about six a day all summer long. Oh. and it's uh, But it's a lot of fun, Doug. This is my fun time of year. 
I'm working like 50 hours a week right now and just doing a bunch of radio shows. So I'm having fun. Now, during magazine season, it's 80 to 85 hours a week for seven months. And then football seasons, 100 plus hours a week trying to capture everything that's going on. So this is my fun time of year doing these radio shows. And and it's fair to say that Buckeye Talk is one of your top 200 appearances, one of your favorite. We're one of the 200 best appearances that you make, Phil, right? You love it here. Oh, way up top. And Doug, I can't thank you enough for all the help you give me during the off season, uh, you know, going over the Ohio State team. So has it really been a half hour already, Doug? I know. It doesn't seem like Flies by. You can come back anytime. We'll do a four-hour episode at some point. We love it. Sounds good, Doug. Looking forward to it, my friend. Thank you for your time, Phil. We'll talk to you soon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, thanks to Phil Steele for that. Just wanted to briefly pass along our condolences and mention uh, the absolute tragedy that happened to Carnell Tate, the freshman Ohio State receiver who lost his mom, Ashley, who was killed in a drive-by shooting in Chicago. It is uh, just unimaginable, and you can find her her Twitter handle is Ashley T. Griggs. Ashley T. Griggs. And the reason that I'm, I'm telling you that is because you can see the evolution of just an incredibly proud parent of a mom just overjoyed at her son uh, living his dream on that timeline. And to know now that that's been taken away from her, that she has been taken away from Carnell, is, uh, is absolutely heartbreaking. But there's a joy in knowing that she saw her son achieve this part of his dream. And she has a tweet, Ashley Griggs does, uh, her, her pin tweet is a picture of her with Carnell. It says new pro- profile pic uh, with the Ohio State logo behind them. And then she has a tweet from uh, the spring game of her coming down the escalator in the Columbus airport and being in the shoe uh, to come watch her son play in the spring game. So she got to watch her son play in the shoe and let the weekend begin April 14th from Ashley T. Griggs. So this is this kind of thing that it's hard to wrap your head around. And I think sometimes in sports, we often too, too often look to tragedy to tell a motivational story for a player and say, Hey, Carnell Tate's going to have something now to go out and play for. I don't think that's what it's about. I think it's about, And it's about whatever Carnell Tate, however he can somehow try to get through this. But I'll always remember um, after the 9-11, 
I was in Wilmington, Delaware at that time, and I think I've told this story before, but there was a high school football player who was the youngest of three brothers, and the middle brother had been killed in a boating accident a year or two earlier, tragically. And then his older brother was in one of the towers. And so he lost his other brother. And so he he had been the youngest of three, and now he was the only living brother. And he's a high school football player, and he went out and played his high school football game that weekend. And the idea was that he said, these are my brothers now, right? And that when you are part of something like a sports team, at its best, it can be like your family. And so it is about now anything possible that Ohio State as a program, that the Ohio State team, his teammates, his coaches, the fan base can do to try to lift up Carnell Tate because all we know, this is what we know. We know that Ashley, his mother, was incredibly proud and excited that Carnell was an Ohio State Buckeye and had worked as hard as he worked and had used his talents to achieve this. And so all that anybody can do now is do everything in your power, whether that's as a fan to lift him up, to support him, whether that's as a teammate, whether that's as a staffer, to help him achieve the dreams and goals that his mom had for him. So it's unimaginable. All the condolences possible to Carnell Tate and his family. But I will say it, I think as we all get older, if, if you're more like my age, understand this. If you're someone in your 20s listening to this versus if you're someone in your 40s or 50s or 60s, it's a different way of experiencing something like a college football team. Because when you're younger, you see that team as more like your peers. But there is one of the more enjoyable things as I've done this longer and longer is watching the parents be proud of the guys. Watching the parents be proud of their sons. And experiencing like all the work that a whole family puts in to creating this opportunity. And there is so much. There is so much natural talent that you have to start with. But there is so much that has to be nurtured through the work of a teenager and through the support of the people around him who make it possible and give him these opportunities. And so unbelievably, whether that player winds up being a, an All-American and an NFL draft pick or a backup, right, who plays on special teams, that you got here is such an unbelievable accomplishment. And Carnell Tate got here. And Carnell Tate already showed out in the spring. And Ashley, his mom, got to know the idea that he was on track to chase that. So all we can do is have grace for Carnell Tate this year, understand what an incredibly difficult thing he and his family are going through, and offer our condolences on the loss of his mom, Ashley. And if you just want to see a proud parent, if you just want to see the joy of watching a young man grow up and achieve something, uh, Ashley T. Griggs on Twitter will give you that. And that, that'll live on. Okay. We'll be back later this week. Uh, thanks to our guest, Phil Steele. Thanks to you guys, as always, for making Buckeye Talk part of your Ohio State fandom. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.